So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Tuesday, we head to the battlefields of medieval Spain to witness the very first ambulance. On Wednesday, it's the anniversary of the day Coca-Cola's creator hit on his winning formula. He dropped the wine, but kept the cocaine. On Thursday, the thief who stuffed the crown jewels down his trousers. And on Friday, when free-spirited Danish parenting put 90s New York in a tears. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every week weekday wherever you get your podcasts hello man fans ollie man here slightly out of breath today because i've just been for a, a walk in the rain uh, perfect conditions for broadcasting <laughs> it's just light shortness of breath <laughs> and audibly so uh, i hope you're very well this is episode five uh, which is about the point that homeland got amazing i don't think i'm quite going to be able to follow that trajectory but i i will do my best with no writers at all uh, think of it like all of those are big american shows during the writers strike uh, the middle section of the show today actually um talking of of great writers is, is me talking to two really good stand-up comics Stuart goldsmith and tom price about our impending fatherhood all of us are going to be dads uh, so i think you'll enjoy that even if you're not about to be a dad although if you are you're going to particularly enjoy that uh, before the show begins though uh, what treat do I have in the mailbag? Uh, Chris in County Durham has sent me a note to say how much he enjoys the show. Thank you, Chris. He says, having bought you a beer, I feel that I can consider myself a member of your fan club. Yep, you uh, get uh, fast-tracked. Uh, living outside London, he says, perhaps I'm not a full member. I like to think of myself as a country member. I'm a little bit concerned, actually, Chris, that... Uh, you feel you have to be a Londonite to get the full benefits of this show. Uh, I'm from Hertfordshire. Uh, Ollie is from Reading. Uh, Alex is from some northern backwater. You can hear it in her accent. Leeds, I think. Uh, so, yeah, we're from all over the country. But but I, I do quite like the idea of London waiting. Uh, perhaps if you are from London, you can afford to buy us two beers. Uh, speaking of which, thank you to all the beer donors of the week. Dave, Daryl, Jamie, Anders, Tom, Mr. Thompson, Jace, Wayne, Simon, Caton and Sam. Uh, I love all of you far too much. Thank you for supporting this show. Uh, right, in this episode you're going to learn why mucus plugs have no place in the male brain, how to make a really awful pun uh, out of the name of Australia's national airline, and how to do an enema in the privacy of your own home. This show is nothing if not varied. Let's go. On this week's Modern Man. They don't know that they've got arms, so as far as they're concerned, these two big pink things keep hitting them in the face. How to be a dad-to-be. The way the colon works, it can actually sort of vacuum things up. And Alex Fox gives us an A-level crash course in bum play. But first, it is time for the zeitgeist. Ollie Peart is here. He's high on coffee today. Jittering. But what is hot in your zeitgeist hot list of hot hotness? It's the end of men. <laughs> Nothing less. Well... FHM and Zoo are no more. Yeah, they've okay. So this is uh, Bauer, the publisher, isn't it? Have decided to close yep. down what used to be two massive opportunities for the teenage boy to express himself through onanism. Absolutely, it's peak. FHM was, I think, selling a million copies a month. God, can you imagine what that equates to in tissue use? <laughs> Do you have a favourite FHM souvenir issue that you recall fondly now? As I say the words, I never bought it, but I. I used to go to boarding school, believe it or not, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember them circulating quite a <laughs> lot. The boys you know, or the magazine? The magazine. <laughs> all right. The magazines. Right, yeah. I don't know how used they were, Yeah, you know what I mean, but 
They were around. One of the issues I do remember quite distinctly is when they used to do the top 100 sexiest women yeah. of all time in the world. It was a big event, that. Huge. It was yeah. big. Who do you reckon the first person to win it was? The first person to win FHM's Hottest 100 Women in the World. In 1995 was... Wow, that's going back a while. Uh, Jennifer Saunders. What? Jennifer I, Saunders? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a 90s personality. <laughs> Claudia Schiffer. Oh, yeah. She won it. That is retro, isn't it? Yeah. Kira Knightley was the youngest winner, age Kira 21. Knightley, that's an interesting thing because in the heyday of FHM, it's all about boobs, wasn't it? So mm. she would have been deemed flat-chested. She would have been deemed not the right kind of body shape. They changed, didn't they, in later years? And also the the, the uh, actual magazine features weren't as, like, numbskull-headed as people suggest. It was, mm. a, it was a men's magazine. Yeah. It just could never quite win back the audience of enthusiastic 14-year-olds that lapped it up in the 2000s. Well, it's because... Let's face it, the internet does it better, doesn't it? Well, you see, but does it? Because the internet does hardcore pornography. Mm. Now, looking back at it, even I'm sure the you know, feminists listening to this will be like, well, it was degrading, and like I say, it was all about big boobs and you know, put impossible expectations on girlfriends and all the rest of it. But in a way, there's something innocent about that compared to watching, you know, prepared to being five seconds away from a, a, you know, an oral jizz fest. Right, what's next? Well, I want to talk to you about Bucks now, then. Bucks? B-U-X. B-U-X. Yeah. Is it a cryptocurrency? Oh, you're close. Am I? Yeah. I actually really like guessing what a startup does just from its name. It's one of the things that I really enjoy doing. Well, I'm completely addicted to this thing. What it is, is it's a trading app. Mm -hmm. It's like stocks and shares and all that kind of stuff. Oh, is this going to be one of those really embarrassing moments where I have to talk a friend down from being in a pyramid scheme without sounding patronising? No, 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 no. This is really cool, right? So what they've done... You've worried me a bit. Yeah, and that's coming from the man who said invest in whiskey last week well no i had a skeptical air uh and i did get a free drink last week i you know i, yeah. I think you should always get a free every drink investment with a free drink yeah anyway what this 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 app's done is it's gamified trading stocks and shares it's made it really easy and accessible if you want to go in and trade stocks one you need i wouldn't know how to do it you need a shitload of money yeah exactly yeah. no one would know how, how it works unless you've been trained and you know what you're talking about so it's really inaccessible and they kind of do that to keep the plebs out, like people like us. Yeah. So this app's been created to, to stop that. But also, just, just on that, you know when people bet on the horses yeah. and they don't know anything about horse form, mm. so actually what they do, instead of doing what they should do, which is like leaf through the racing post in detail and say, ah, oh, this one fell at that hurdle and did that and it's, you know, the trainer is this, or looking at the horse and saying, oh, good hind legs on that one, they say, well, that's got a funny name, Fat Chance, I'll put money on that. <laughs> oh, I'm called Ollie, I'll, I'll bet on the horse called Ollie. I'd be like that with stocks and shares. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, Burger King. I've heard of them. I wouldn't think, is this going up or down? What are my projections for the future? I know what you mean. But with it, you can still make a little bit of an educated guess, even if you're not really into that. I mean, you can kind of go, well, Volkswagen, for example. That's going know. down. Well, no, oh. it's not. It's See, this going is up. This. this is going up. Yeah, but is it going up because it went horribly down? Because it went horribly down. Yeah, okay. So my, my dad s- bought a load of shares in RBS on that principle, and he's still waiting. <laughs> He'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> 2007, he was like, "Hello, early retirement." But it, <laughs> no but, one's going to have a problem with RBS in the future. But that's it. The principle's really easy. You know, buy low, sell high. And yeah. and it has gamified it really, really well. So it's a really intuitive, easy-to-use app. I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing about trading stocks and shares. Uh, does it? Is it free to use? I mean, obviously, you have to put your money in. No, but yeah. It- so you can start off with fun bucks, they call it, which is fake money. And then you can invest your own money, I actual real that's money. that's even legal, so they get you hooked on it before you're even doing oh, it. Oh, man, it is incredibly addictive. And But 
the trading fees are much, much less. So if you open a trade, it's like 25p compared to what it would be for stocks and shares would be like quite considerably more. I fear what would happen if I got into it is I'd end up spending all the money I earn buying companies that I've never heard of. Let's do this. I want you to do it. I Download it. You can start with 50 quid. We're just You're about loaded. to play in an You'll ad, Ollie, where I ask people to give us money to pay for this show. <laughs> no. You're asking me to put 50 quid. Put 50 quid in. Let's see how much you can add onto your 50 quid by next week. Okay. All right. Do that. Okay. But, and then and then I'll tell, tell you me. why I'm kind of intrigued by this. Go on. It's because I'm pretty sure under Ofcom Broadcasting Codes, we wouldn't be able to do that on the radio. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so I just think, all right, <laughs> yeah, let's have it, it. Let's let's just, it. It's a feature you'll never hear on the radio. Yeah. How much money can a man lose through gambling? <laughs> <laughs> let's come back in seven days' time and see. And do you stand to lose the whole 50 quid? or You can set a setting on there that's called auto-close. Okay. So it, if it drops a certain percentage, you only lose that. What's our final hot story of the week, Ollie Pitt? Simple one. Yeah. David Cameron... Is going to get his own aeroplane. But what should we call it? I mean, the US has Air Force One, and Twitter has come up with some brilliant names. All right. You ready for some? Yeah. So you've got Air Fast One. <laughs> it's a bit weak, isn't it? I quite like this one. Swine Flu. <laughs> flu spell F-L-E-W. <laughs> That's quite good. Is that a reference to the Oak Shop book, Ollie? To what? You know, the pig fucking book. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just think I... if, the, if the joke needs explaining. Well, I think mine are better. Yeah. Uh, Virgin on taking the piss is one of mine. <laughs> what do you think? Do you like that one? And uh, Ideria, isn't that as in it's expensive? No? I don't even get He's it. Looking at me. Well, it's expensive. Dear. Ideria. He's explaining. Oof. Sling the poor airlines. That's very good. Yes, yes. Yeah. Luftbackhanser. <laughs> do you like that one? I do like that one. Air Camada. This one's a bit weak. Air Swiner, as in Air China. Air swine. Yeah. Swine. I think the best thing to do, Ollie, when, when you're creating a comedy list, yeah. is to self-select first which are the three best ones and open with those. But it's much better doing it on the podcast, isn't it? Well, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm happy to sort of work through ideas with you in this setting. I just wonder if, you know, in future, if you do down your own joke before you say it, it's difficult for the audience to have confidence. Mm. You know, just come straight out with the big one. Cunt ass. <laughs> As in Qantas. Yeah. Yeah. Do you it's like not that? even very good. It's it's bad, but you see the confidence made me laugh. But I, I quite like to get the listeners involved. I'd like them to send theirs in. Okay. Because I want I reckon that they'll come up with some much better ones than, than we've come up with. Okay, so names for David Cameron's private jet. Yeah. Tweet them to you. Yeah, or at the modern man or at Ollie EP. O double L I E P. And that is also the place to send any ideas you have really for future trends you'd like to hear Ollie talk about here in the Zeitgeist. Yes, please. It it saves me having to do all the research myself. Okay, and I'll see you next week when I've lost 50 quid in a pointless app. Look you forward won't, to you'll it. make money, yeah, Ollie. Let's see. Let's see. See you next week. This show is free to download, but it is not free to produce. We're all doing this currently for nothing. If you're enjoying the show and you would like to buy us a beer to thank us, just head to modernman.co.uk and click beer money. The average cost of a pint of beer in Britain is £3.31, about five US dollars. Using my secure website, you can choose to buy us a beer once or more regularly. If you value independent podcasts like this one and you can afford it, then why not sign up to buy us just one beer a month in return for this magnificent show? Uh, And if we ever meet, the next one's on me. Head to modernman.co.uk and click beer money. Thanks. 
Now, as exclusively announced on my other podcast, Answer Me This, a few weeks ago, I am to be a father. Man Junior is, fingers crossed, on his way out in January. Uh, I did actually tell my family, by the way, before I mentioned it in a podcast. Uh, They're very excited about it as well because it's their first grandchild. So I feel a sense that my whole life is about to change. But as a man, it's quite hard to predict exactly how. I mean, so far, really all that's happened whilst my partner's body is changing uh, a lot is I've uh, had a lot of trips to mother care. I'd never been to mother care before in my life. I've now been about four times in the last three months. Um, Anyway, it just so happened that uh, two of my mates, Stuart Goldsmith and Tom Price, uh, who also happen to be comedians, who are very entertaining men, are also due to have babies in the next eight weeks. Uh, well, their partners are. So I couldn't resist inviting them round for a chat. And inevitably, we began by talking about NCT, uh, because that's one thing that every middle class bloke gets involved with anyway, the antenatal classes laid on by the National Childbirth Trust. I have heard that NCT is uh, by and large pointless apart from in order to make friends amongst the locals. It's like a book club but for breeders. You know, you, you all get there and it's not really about the book, is it? It's about meeting nice people and it is fantastic. It's really useful because you will meet a couple of people who you know over the first, certainly the first three years, as we've still got friends who we did hypnobirthing with, who are really good friends now because you're going on this experience together and it's really nice and I'm very pro it. However, do not expect to learn a single fucking useful piece of information. See, I disagree with you on that and it might just be because I was really naive before all of this and maybe I still am Mm. but I didn't really do any reading and I don't really watch things set in maternity wards because they kind of freak me out so my whole life I've ignored all of the stuff about mucus plugs and placentas (laughs) but you don't need to know about any of these things just watch Call the Midwife a couple times and you'll be fine but you don't you don't need to know any of that stuff really about mucus plugs and placentas are you just saying that though because you're the guy and you personally chose not to get that involved with it do you know what I mean like you're saying like a lot of my male friends have said to me oh I haven't read any books you don't need to and I I have found myself thinking oh I I mean I still feel like I haven't read enough books because I I, I would like to know and be supported no I definitely disagree with that yeah you should definitely read the books and stuff like that but in terms of that it was just I guess it was just all these specific examples there (laughs) which I feel very strongly that there's kind of an intimacy when you know that much stuff about what your wife's going through. And I got the vibe from my other half of your partner, whatever, mm. that she was kind of like, do you know what? I don't. You don't need to know about this stuff. It's fine. You need to be there and emotionally support me. And there's lots of books on that that are brilliant. But actually knowing about the medical goings on, it's not mm. really going to be that helpful. Yeah. I mean, actually, I had, uh, I've just been to a midwife appointment just now with my partner. Uh, and I had with me on the tube on the way here a leaflet about uh, perineal massage. And I just thought, there's no way to spin this, so it looks right for me to be reading this on the tune. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Explain to your listeners what perennial massage is. It's I really, basically you, GP condoned fingering. That's yeah. essentially yeah. what it is. It's <laughs> exactly what it is, yeah. yeah. With a bit of thumbing at the same time, as far as I can work <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. But there's also things you can buy. There's like basically inflatable dildos, where you, they use these objects and they inflate inside to make things go better and quicker. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's, very, it's really okay. valuable stuff. It's hilarious. And, and you know what? It's churlish to pretend that it's not funny. I think it's it, you're being an idiot if you go, oh, this is a bit serious, try and take it seriously. It's fucking hysterical. Okay, we've already naturally fallen into our roles here. Stuart and I are the exciting ingenues, uh, and Tom is the grizzled veteran in the corner <laughs> because he's already got one kid telling us, oh, no, you're totally wrong, and this is how it works. <laughs> so, Tom, shut up for the okay, next five minutes. Correct. I'm going to interview Stuart about his excitement about being a father. Okay. Then you tell us why we're both completely wrong. Oh, all right, okay. Okay. I, I'm slightly object to how I've been pigeonholed there, but fine, you're actually you're right, yeah. Stuart. Hey, man. Uh, planned, unplanned? 
uh, planned. I've wanted to have a baby. I've wanted to have children for a long time. And I really am. I'm so excited about do, it. Do you have brothers I've and sisters? I've never felt as happy as this. Yeah, I do. I have a, a younger brother and an older sister. And my okay. older sister has got two kids. I've not been that involved with their lives, in fact, to my, to my shame. But I've got godchildren. I've got a, an eight-year-old goddaughter and a ten-year-old godson. And I've properly been in at the sharp end of crying and nappies and cl- you know what I mean all mm. the rest of it so I feel like I've done that that's good and because that, you yeah. know when people say with children like giving them a pet part of the reason for them to have a pet is the pet's going to die the pet's going to die and yeah, that's yeah, yeah. their training for understanding mortality yes I don't have any godchildren. I don't have any brothers or sisters who have children but I, I can see that that training slope is actually quite useful because I've been put in a position where suddenly I've never thought of myself as even a dad for hire for the day yes I'm feeling far less scared about babies than I am about children of course, there'll be all sorts of terrifying stuff, and I know that there are unknown unknowns and known unknowns and the rest of it. I'm quite good in a crisis, and what scares me is the bit that comes out after the crisis, the sort of the far longer bit of going, oh, I've got a four-year-old and I've got to make decisions about schools. How do you think you're going to cope in the initial stages? Because people talk about uh, three-hour cycles of feeding and all that kind of thing. Uh, obviously, the man doesn't actually have to be there for every single one of those due to our biology. Uh, But the modern man principle is that you are kind of there and offering support. And certainly for the first two or three weeks, you kind of drop everything else. Yes. Uh, Are you up for that? Yeah, I'm I'm lucky in that I'm self-employed. So I'm taking a month off and I'm going, right, there we go. That's my paternity leave. I'm less lucky in that shortly after that, I think when the baby is all being well and going to time, if if about like when the baby's maybe seven weeks old, I then go on tour for the first time for... 20 dates which is designed so that I can get back in between but it's going to be long and knackering and hard and that bit scares me um, in terms of being involved absolutely and I'm at the moment I'm really relishing having a quasi maternal role looking after my partner like I really like it when she comes home tired after going out and shopping or what have you and I go you are looking a bit green around the gills let me take that get that I'm putting you in bed I'm getting your hot water bottle I'm doing I kind of cluck around I sort of I think my paternal instincts are actually semi-maternal instincts and I'm quite enjoying looking after her and then that makes me feel good so I'm looking forward to supporting her do you know the gender yes a boy it's a boy yeah did you want a boy or did you secretly want a girl I secretly wanted a girl. Me too. I'm having a boy too. I secretly wanted a girl. My partner secretly wanted a girl as well. Okay, now, why did you secretly want a girl? I secretly wanted a girl purely because at the age of four I was worried about football. That's it. Literally just that. Because at the age of four you were worried about football. No, no, no. I'm worried that when the child is four, even if he turns out not to be a great sportsman, he's going to be more interested in football than I ever will be my entire life. Because you're not interested in football. I'm so uninterested I can't even put it on a scale. Sure. So I'm going to have to pretend. What I imagine will happen is that only people whose dads are interested in football give a shit about football. I'm no, I don't. Sure well, my sure dad's fascinated that. by motor racing, and I couldn't give a shit about that. Either. No, no, no. But it's uh, but you can't play motor racing in the playground with your friends. Yeah. So I think there is a difference. But I think, I mean, as long as you're passionate about something, which you are, yeah, then I am th- sure that the kid will either become passionate know. about it or will rebel Does against. Any four-year-old say, "Daddy, when are you going to take me to the national theatre?" I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, but you, ah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay. So what's your reason then? Well, my reason, well, first, it's not that we wanted one, but I certainly expected a girl, but just as a numbers game from the other children, the babies in my life and in my family and all the rest of it. And we're, we're both the same in that we were like, well, this one's bound to be a girl. So we got very excited about girls' names. And the thing about girls' names is that you can get a boy's name and make it cool and turn it into a girl's name. <laughs> if we had a little baby girl, we're going to call her Lenny, L-E-N-I, because like Lenny, but like the yeah. girl version of Lenny. But, but that is a boy's name, so you can still use Lenny. 
Yeah, but you can't, but exactly, you, Lenny for a boy, it's a boy called Lenny, whereas Lenny for a girl is like a cool girl version of a boy's name. You can't do the other way around. You can't get like Mildred and, and turn it into a blokey version of it. You know, you, yeah. it, it doesn't work. Mildo? Mildo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably, sounds like something Alex Fox would have that, on the show. That is one of the rules with uh, naming a child. You really must be careful it doesn't rhyme with anything rude. Okay, uh, Tom, you've been patiently listening to our little tete Yes. Uh, what have we missed out? <laughs> no, nothing, it's great. Uh, no, um, no, no, be honest. Uh, You're a dad already. What are we being naive about? No, no, I mean, you're, you know, it's exactly how I feel right now going into the, the second one. You know, you're full of optimism and, and it's just great. There's just a kind of, it's just a, a gritty reality that it's very hard to communicate without sounding like a bit of a patronising know-it-all. Please sound like a patronising okay, know So here's the deal. Everything yeah. you plan is just goes completely out the window and it's like, fucking chaos it's like jumping off the top of a building this is the situation i had everything suffers your sleep suffers your health suffers your relationship suffers the first year with a child is a notoriously difficult time for a relationship uh, let's be specific about that because i yeah. did actually notice that we didn't talk about that you and i Stuart. i i thought there's as a mental note i thought we haven't discussed how this is going to impact our relationships yeah and then i thought that's because we can't know you can't know so, can't... so what happens you just you just really tired <laughs> No matter how modern your relationship is, in terms of the the dividing line between who does what, you know, no matter how that you know there is certainly no gender roles in our house. You know, everyone does the washing up, everyone does everything, of course, and I'm sure most of your listeners are like that. There is a fundamental problem here, which is that biologically, your partner will resent what they have had to go through and how physically attached they are to this thing, and how actually nothing's really changed for you. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that you know, physically, you can walk out the door at any point she can no longer do that because she's stuck to the baby because of feeding, because of whole host of hormonal things that happen. They are glued to the child. And as much, and I had this very firm intention, and it happened as well before because we have silly jobs. We don't have to go to work from nine to five every day. And I was really determined to be around every day and to be in there and in the mix and stuff. But actually, that is very limited because there's really only so much you can do. You have to help her, but with the, in terms of what goes on with the baby, a, a, a distance appears between you no matter how close you are as a couple the distance appears between and i don't want to make it sound like really horrific and awful because it's still utterly wonderful and like it's the best bit of all of, of life it's the best bit yeah. so i have to say that all the time i have something to add here which is that i feel again probably very naively i feel like we've got a bit of a secret weapon as a couple which is that we've lived 100 miles apart for the last five years and worked opposite hours she's got a day job i've got a wacky evening job so i have just moved into her house Right, which has its presents its own kind of challenges in terms of like people go, you didn't even live together, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, we didn't. Um, <laughs> we we lived in two cities, and now we, although I still need to come to London to work, we don't need to live across two cities in the same way. Yeah. So, in terms of not seeing each other and the strain on the relationship, I totally take on board what you're saying about the the fundamental resentment, and I, I fear yeah. that, and it's interesting to hear that articulated. But I, I do feel that part of it is we're so thrilled to be in each other's presence that I like people go, oh, it'll be really hard. You're like, it's been really hard. I know it'll be hard different, but it has been really hard. Yeah, but good. there's a lot of cocktails that come in, into play, like hormonally. You know, my wife, Beth, she fully admits it now. She was mad for the first year. We both went mad. We both had massive sleep. Uh, deprivation our brains changed shapes and our personalities changed so madness is a very trite way of saying we were different people basically there's there's an idealism before it happens of course there is where you're just like this is magical and amazing and actually the the reality of it 
is uh, is really tough. But then, but then, but then, but then, oh my god, it's amazing. And it, and there's something which Rufus Hound said to me. It's just it just gets better and better and better. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's when I was six months in. And we had Wilfred had colic, and it was horrific. And he said it gets better and better and better. And he's absolutely right. It exponentially every day. It's just incredible. Well, let's talk about expectations and managing expectations because it sounds like all of us have some idea of what we've let ourselves in for but actually your typical couple in the UK using the NHS for obvious reasons all the support being offered is for the mum you don't as the man have to go to see the midwife at any stage you don't even have to be there for the birth although I suppose nowadays some questions might be asked do you think there's actually adequate support for dads you know is is there actually the resource out there that perhaps there should be so that men can cope with what's about to hit their lives there, there is definitely stuff out there you can go after it but you have to go after it and find it whereas obviously the, all the midwives and stuff that definitely comes to to the woman in this situation that one of the most rewarding things i've done is uh, dad's stay and play which is like a, a saturday morning nursery near me and it's only dads allowed with the kids and i've done that with wilfred since he was about three months old and uh, it's brilliant because you get to hang out with other dads and it's just dads the problem with going to lots of lots of baby things like massive baby massage and baby yoga and all the, it's just nonsense it's nothing to do as with nct it's nothing to do with what it sets out to be about it's all to do with who you meet and chatting to people and i've gone to a lot of those things and in you know trendy north london where you expect there to be loads of men it's all women it's just that's just the that's just the way it is the men go to vast vast majority like endless countless occasions where i'd go and be the only man there and that's difficult because you've got a diff- different set of experiences to yeah. discuss you can't you're not in physical pain you no, want you're someone to share emotional experiences with. But also, the big problem that the women have, and it's a huge issue, is expectations that are put on them. Like breastfeeding. Beth found breastfeeding incredibly difficult. And there's this thing called the Breastapo, who insists you have to breastfeed. And she really struggled with it. And she felt like a failure because she can do it. Eventually she did. But there's all these things. And so you're constantly having to provide that support to them, not to the baby, but to your other half to say, don't feel like that. And it's hard to convince them not to feel like that that's a difficult thing because it's so in their dna it's so in that chemistry it's almost like it's with a different person for a while and as long as you're and like you've you're totally prepared for that mm. then it's fine but you can't really prepare for that i see why no, you're putting you emphasis prepare. on that you can't prepare for that Stuart, what's your answer to my question? Do you think there are resources out there to support men in this position? So far, this conversation now is the main one. Well, that's I have the thing, to say, yeah. yeah, you know, like this is a really interesting conversation. I haven't, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's up to me to have these conversations. It would be easy for me to chat to my friends who are dads and go, talk me through the first six months. That's not really how men relate to one another. I'm not in the habit of, you know, I'm far more likely to ring up a mate and go, I'm going on my first talk. Give me some hints and tips about that. <laughs> yeah. Far more likely okay. to, dis- to discuss work than I am to ring up a mate who's a dad and say right what can I expect to go wrong what you know what what went wrong for you what are your top tips I don't really think in those terms and I I imagine maybe other guys are like me and I think partly that's because we don't have a baby inside us however much you try and be part of this couple that's having this experience together ultimately I know in the back of my mind right now it's not too late for me to run off and live in Cuba oh mate absolutely that is the key thing no matter how much our modern society says you're having it together you're having it together you're having Nature still pops up and goes, you're not. She's having the baby. No, I mean, that is, that is true. Facial birthmark, I walk. <laughs> <laughs> of course that's not true. <laughs> the other thing as well that people are very unsupported on, and again, the advice exists out there, but I'm a technology journalist and I've struggled to find it, 
is advice on which is the stuff that you're supposed to buy that is going to stop the baby dying and which is the stuff that you're supposed to buy that's a complete fucking waste of time. So much, so much of the stuff that we've been recommended, every single couple that I'll speak to, and I do more than I talk to dads, I'll talk to couples and go, what are your tips? I, I've done that a few times. Everyone has conflicted. You don't need one of them. God, this was a godsend. You know, object A is really important. A poddle pod is really important. <laughs> oh, it's completely meaningless. You'd never use it. You know, do these nappies, never do these nappies. All you can do, I think, is just kind of, it's going to be carnage. Try and prepare yourself to be okay with it being carnage. And prepare yourself to be okay with feet. Like, I'm expecting to feel like it's all going wrong and I can't do anything. Mm. So hopefully when I get there, I spoke to a fireman once and I said, just at a party, socially, I went, I've never really met a fireman before. So what's the strategy? What's the tactics? And he went, you'll be sick if I tell you. I said, what do you mean? He says, we turn up and it's carnage. And we just go, oh God, you try and get the fire out. I find when I'm looking at products in the store, I try and imagine them all coated with shit. <laughs> and then if I still think, yeah, I'd like that in my house. <laughs> it's really weird because actually the reality of the baby is this just this calm little tiny object in the corner of your lives that changes everything. It's so weird that the actual core of it, do you know what I mean? That nucleus that sits in the middle looks like a really harmless, sweet thing. So the number of times you'll go out, you'll be pushing the pram around and people say, oh, he looks so cute, oh, he's so nice and all that stuff. And you're like, Jesus Christ, you have no idea. <laughs> at 4am when he's screaming and like spitting at me. You know, it's really hard. Oh, are the mittens, is that a real thing? Yeah, because they scratch their faces. But but it, that's just it. like something out of Gremlins, isn't yeah. it? Because they don't know that they've got arms. So as far as they're concerned, these two big pink things keep hitting them in okay. the face. So listeners may not be aware of this. When you're having a child, one thing they advise you to get is scratch mittens yeah. to stop your baby clawing out its own eyes. And stop your wife from clawing your eyes out as well I, the- it feels like we're at a stage in our evolution where we shouldn't still be clawing out our own eyes at birth yeah, it's it's disappointing to me that that's the stage we're still at yeah, yeah. In, the, in, the, in older times babies had much tougher eyes See, these stupid uh, 21st century babies they're yeah, soft faces you'll yeah. be fine just get some goggles there's a lot of there's a lot of crap to buy basically actually for the first two or three months you really don't need much at all you need a Moses basket a pram nappies and some clothes and give me a really gadget it. hint because I like my gadget I want to know what's the thing that I was like if oh, I have get that a, be an get, definitely life. get a video baby monitor that's really good really yeah, see yeah. now I've instinctively mm. thought audio Stuart what have you thought uh, I, I haven't got as far as that which, I, just, I mean I'm thinking first six months going to be in our room yeah, but I'm not going to leave it alone. Oh, no, get one early doors. Get one early doors. Video yeah, video ones are much already much better than they were when Wilfred was a baby, which is freakish. But... Because it can go on your iPad or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. actually, that would just make me. I'd be sitting here miles away from the child and still be watching it now. It's yeah, there's nothing. And I can you can do. do some screen grabs of your child because it's night vision. They look evil because they've got the eyes. So God. you can confirm my suspicion that my son is evil. Which what is about really the useful. thing that monitors? Um, Cot death, basically. Don't get that, don't get that. You see, now, Because why? it goes off every night and you shit yourself. And exactly, because you're paranoid. Yeah, I've got friends. And so I think the video monitor would make me paranoid. Maybe it's just no, knowing your own... Because you can see it, you, and it's nice to be able to see him. Are you having a boy as well? Do you know yeah, him? are you having a boy this second time? Yeah, yeah, we're all having boys. Yeah. You're having another yeah. boy? Yeah. How do you feel about that? A uh, bit, actually, a bit gutted. <laughs> a bit gutted. Beth really wanted a girl, and so did I, and yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it's good to commit to record that you were disappointed. <laughs> yeah, hopefully one day. <laughs> you meet him, it'll be a team member, yeah, isn't it? Come on. So tell me, t- listen, because I'm scared about cot death, obviously, because yeah. are there any two worse words when combined in the English language? Yeah. But does it, I don't know, it's called uh, sudden infant death syndrome now. Is but is, so that makes it is all that so palatable. still a thing? Does that still, still happen happens. often yeah. enough that we should be worried about it? Because uh, I have to to say part of the reason I ask is I haven't thought about monitors because I feel like one of the things to do is not shit yourself and I feel and again this might be ludicrous naivety but I feel like I'm going into it thinking it's not going to suddenly just die for no reason 
stop freaking out, it'll be fine. People have been having babies for thousands and thousands of years. Equally, I said that babies have been dying from SIDS for thousands and thousands of years as well. It's re- it is still very much a serious problem, but it's inc- it's so much rarer than it was. Because do you remember when we, we, I guess when we were all quite young, like do you remember the Anne Diamond thing? That was a huge. Right. Her son uh, died of cot death, and uh, there was a huge publicity thing about that, and they changed a lot of stuff. And those changes they made then, and the things they found out then, mm. made a big difference. I.e., you do they. Don't don't co sleep early doors. Don't co sleep in the first sort of two months because is that because you might roll on them? Yeah, there's various things you might roll on them, but also because you're breathing all over them. But sleep in the same room, right? Adjunctive bed. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Not in the bed, but not in the bed. That's a really bad idea. Um, Also, do not sleep them on their front. That's the advice. They go on their back, and also there's things about covers as well. What you do with covers and, and no pillow, things like that. But you'll you'll everyone will find all this information out in about six months' time. Uh, I would like for us to reconvene. Yeah, that definitely. Would be okay. Bringing the children with us. That could be fun, couldn't it? We could have, what did you call it? A dad and... Dad stay and play. Dad stay and They're play. Great. Dad stay and podcast. Why not? At that meeting, Stuart, how do you think you're going to be feeling? I think I'll be absolutely 100% getting by whilst shitting myself that I'm not really doing it properly. And Tom, how do you think you're going to find having a second boy? I'm going to be shocked because I'm really, really good at dealing with a three and a half year old boy. Nailed that. Brilliant. But going back to scratch again, I'm going to be, you'll feel like a, it's such a big gap. I'm going to feel like a learner again. So I'm going to feel completely and, chaotic and, and awful. And different baby as well. Totally, totally different. Baby. Could be totally different. So I've seen true. so many people fall yeah. into that trap almost of going, oh, we've had a baby. It's one of those miracle golden ones that sleeps for nine hours at a thing Let's and never cries. Let's have another. Boom. Nightmare Hydra. Assuming it's non-Hydra, then um, I'll probably be feeling very, very happy because actually once you get to... And there's kind of these goalposts uh, with, with having a young baby. And once you get to like anything after four months, six months, you it, things get a lot easier. Tom, I've deliberately not asked you to talk about labour because Stuart and I have yet to experience both the magic there and is, the horror. There is a so conspir- hold it, hold it. In a few words. <laughs> Don't scare us. Of that. In six months' time, we can share our experiences with you. Okay. How do you think we'll feel looking back on our labour? You just won't want to talk about it. That's all you need to know. You just won't want to talk about it. There is something inbuilt in both men and women that makes you forget about those early days. Honestly, I don't remember the first six months of Wilfred. And I, I don't remember a lot of the birth. And Beth feels the same way. And you will just forget about it. And it's just something you can never talk about. There is a conspiracy of silence amongst those who have had kids where they never quite tell the truth about how awful it is. It's really bad. But listen, the science and the, the medicine that we now have, it's, it's incredible what they can do. As soon as that painkiller goes in, it's fine. Coming up next, Alex Fox joins me to talk sex. The very thing that got us knocked up in the first place. Uh, but first, just to, to let you know, if you enjoyed listening to Stuart and Tom, uh, they both have excellent podcasts, which I would highly recommend. Stuart's is called The Comedian's Comedian. Uh, it's a long-form interview between him and a headline stand-up act talking about their creative process. Well worth listening to. I'd highly recommend the Matt Lucas one. Uh, and Tom Price hosts a topical comedy show called The Leak, L-E-A-K, on BBC Radio Wales. I know, he is Welsh. He's just from the posh bit. Um, and that is well worth adding to your repertoire of podcasts as well if you enjoy topical ones like the news quiz or the now show i'll put links to both of their shows and stuart's tour dates as well on my website modernman.co.uk this listeners is the section of the show where alex fox answers your sex questions and alex before we get on to what the listeners have been asking you this week what are you up to i understand tomorrow you're going to a what's it called get on your bike 
No, it's called... Something like that. <laughs> Skirt Club. How Skirt did you club. get get on your bike? Because I knew it was about bi-curious, so that's Oh, OK, yeah. bi-curious, not bike-curious. Not bike-curious. Yes, it's a Different sexual event. event for people who are really interested in uh, putting their penises together with some pedals. So no, it's not that at all. It's not that. It's no. an event for women... Yes. ...who think they might be bisexual but are living currently in straight relationships? Not quite. It's for people who would usually identify as straight, virtually straight, if you will. Everything's on a spectrum these days, I suppose. But who are intrigued by the idea of sexually playing with other women. And they have uh, skirt club events, which are full-on evenings where everyone shows up in their their glamorous lingerie and everything and and, uh, does tequila body shots off each other and and, uh, things get extremely saucy and X-rated. Do, they they do get X-rated. If would, you, would you go if as far you to, to say that intercourse occurs? Intercourse occurs, but also lots of standing around and watching and being intrigued occurs. It's, right, it's yeah. whatever you feel comfortable it's with. Lots of people okay, just we got go the male to... equivalent of this event? You would assume that there would be intercourse. Most If you go likely. along, you're like, well, I'm a bi-curious man, I'm not sure. That means you're going to have sex with a man, doesn't it? Whereas with women, I guess it's more of a, well, I'm just exploring, let's have a chat. Uh, most likely, although I'm sure there are some guys who've rocked up to gay events and yeah. haven't felt inclined to join in. Yeah. But Skirt Club does the full-on events where you're welcome to kind of get squelchy and yeah. delve into each other. Yeah. But it also does introductory events, if you will, called Mini Skirt, which is quite a cute idea, I think, yes. where you go and you have drinks and you watch a burlesque performance or you uh, get involved in a, in a sexually-themed workshop. But it's more about chatting to other women and gauging whether there might be some people there that you'd be interested in attending a bigger event with. So it's lots of lots of like softly, softly, step by step, mm. very um, controlled introduction to the potential idea of playing with another girl. And may I ask if you've been before and if you got into the stage of playing with another girl? I have been before and had a wonderful time and met loads of interesting people, but I discovered that I am disappointingly straighter than a Roman road. As a result of being there, you just thought... I thought I was pretty straight anyway. I basically love the peen. Really love the peen so much, unfortunately. I think we've got ourselves a hashtag. Yeah, (laughs) Alex Fox, I love the peen. Just hashtag love the peen. I think if I went to an event for bi-curious men, even if I wasn't interested, I wouldn't leave without having a a handjob since it was on offer. What... Just, just, yeah, there's just someone because. there prepared to give me one, you know, it's be like, well, all right then. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? How far do you think you'd go in the realms of curiosity? Well, funny you should mention that because we have a question that probes into areas that I would not wish to. Oh, OK. Uh, it is from Mike, who Hi, says, Mike. Uh, I've been married for seven years and occasionally during foreplay, there's a little bit of anal play uh, where my wife strokes my perineum and slips the tip of her finger in my anus. I find this quite enjoyable, just as well, isn't it, really? And would like to explore this further. I'm not sure, he says, that I'm ready for pegging. You're going to have to explain what the hell that is. The act of doing your partner up the bum with a strap-on. So with a, with a fake penis, with a dildo that right. you strap on. So when he says, your... I'm not sure I'm ready for pegging, he does no. mean, I'm not sure I'm ready for my wife to penetrate my bum with a fake yeah, dildo. Yeah, he's, he's not at the stage for okay. his wife to, to wear a dildo and okay. slide that up okay. his rear end. So with that but... context fully explained, let me yes. continue with the question. Oh, there's more. Yes. I wouldn't mind her probing my anus deeper and perhaps introducing some toys into the mix. Uh, So, Alex, how do I best bring this up with her? That's his question. Uh, I'm worried she may not be too keen as the anus can be dirty uh, and she may not want to fully go there. Have you got any suggestions for making my anus a bit cleaner? Should I be doing cleansing enemas? 
I realise that this isn't always possible in spontaneous lovemaking. I think it's not very romantic to take a pause for that, certainly. There are many questions within, there are. within, this, within this question, like sub-questions. Let's deal first Is of all with how do I... Is it separated by semicolons? I feel like that would <laughs> <Boom>. be appropriate. <laughs> Let's deal first of all with how does he ask his wife to do a little bit more... Bum action. I think his wife actually is probably going to be quite open to it if she's already ferreting about with already her digits in, 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 yeah, yeah. in, in the, the brown eye area. Yeah. I don't think she's going to be too put off by it. Most women as well are quite well versed these days in knowing the fact that a man's G-spot or his prostate is actually located up his rear end. Mm. It's about the size of a walnut and de- it depends on the gentleman but it's usually about between one and a half and three inches up the back passage. Um, the whole, I mean, I guess everyone's got a different attitude to it. I just don't want my girlfriend to put her finger anywhere near my bum hole. It doesn't appeal to me at all. And I and I struggle with it because I've read, just like everyone else has, the articles in GQ and Cosmopolitan saying, did you know that man's G-spot is halfway up his ass?" And I'm like, I just, I'm not, I just don't. The idea of it makes me feel a bit weird. Yeah, it's a fact that because the prostate is located up your bum, there's very good reason for many people to find it pleasurable. Plus, there's that idea of it being quite taboo, which many folks find exciting. But the juxtaposition is, to that... For me, it's literally because that's where I poo out of. Well, maybe um, feeling more clean might help people like you, Ollie, or, or, or like our, <laughs> okay. like the, the gent who's written to us. That will perhaps make him feel a bit more confident. And there are a variety of ways that you can make yourself feel a bit more squeaky clean in that area. Um, I've got loads of gay friends who actually say that they wish their straight mates were more open to the idea of using enemas to flush out everything from their poo pipes. Those their make feel flume. amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people, if they've done that, I think will feel um, less worried that they're accidentally going to want to go to brown town. They're going to shit on the partner. Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But uh, w- with regard to Mike's issue, when do you do that? Do you go and seek professional enemas? You don't do it at home. Oh, no, you can absolutely do it at home. Oh, can you? Yeah, there so are there, all sorts a- of enemas you can buy from very simple ones, which are essentially like a squeezy bulb with a little spout on it. Mm-hmm. And you and you squirt a little bit of water up yourself as much as you feel comfortable with, and it, and it washes you out that way, mm-hmm. to much more complicated devices that fit on the edge, end of your shower head and things like that. If you do want to use an enema, I would suggest don't use any liquid other than just lukewarm water to begin with. People do use other solutions, but um, that area of the body is very sensitive. And Where does I'd, the waste go? You hold the water inside yourself and then relieve yourself over the loo, or you can do it in the shower right. if, if you feel more comfortable with that. However, as much as that might make you feel more confident, it's not essential, especially not for low-level anal play, shall we say. Something like someone's finger. Mm. Well, he wants to make... go a bit further than a finger, but not as far as a stiffy, doesn't he? So let's, let's say it's a three-inch toy. Would you be okay without cleaning, do you think? As long as you'd voided your bowels and washed the area well. I mean, it, it's different people know their, their innards, but you don't necessarily have to do an enema. That's an option that might make you feel more comfortable and more confident. If Mike's lady friend has already been using her finger to uh, stimulate his back door, what she might be looking for is further encouragement from him. So perhaps if he gives her some verbal cues by going, oh, that's nice, or, or maybe even just physically pushing back on her a bit. That's interesting. Very often, like, you know, people say, when's the best time to bring this up with my partner? And the advice is sit down with them over a cup of tea. You know, as you said a few weeks ago, sit down over a cup of tea, say you really are interested in this particular fantasy. 
But sometimes the best time to bring it up is when it's actually happening. If because she's already no doing that inhibition. to him, I think he can encourage it more at the time. Yeah. It might be that she's concerned about whether he's enjoying it or not. It might be that she's concerned about whether he's gone to the loo or not. Or it might be, if she's a lady with longer fingernails, like I have, that she's concerned about accidentally scratching him. If that's the case, one trick that she can do is to pop a cotton wool ball in the end of a lubricated condom, slip that over her finger, and it essentially is like... Um, a little anal thimble ah. to stop her from plucking on him. What a what a neat so, trick. Yeah. It's the kind of thing it, they did on Blue Peter, isn't it? That kind of life hack. Speaking of lube, you should always use lube with any type of anal play because the butt doesn't produce its own moisture and it's also um, quite a sensitive area. You don't want to nick it. He might find it useful to either buy a specific lubricant designed for anal use, which tends to be thicker and longer lasting, mm-hmm. or maybe consider something flavoured because flavoured lubricants tend to have a stronger kind of fruity or desserty scent. And if either partner is worried about certain uh, smells, yeah. yeah, yeah, if they're worried about that, then that will help cover things then up. Why, and they'll, why they'll... not mix it with a mulled wine scent as well? Well, festive. Yes. Well, I think we've answered his question very well, firmly. Well, not quite yet, because he did say about toys as well. Oh, yes. Sales of anal toys have gone absolutely through the roof in recent years. All of the main... Through the bottom, on... surely. Yeah, through, yeah. There are a variety of different toys you can buy from very simple butt plugs all the way up to vibrating prostate massages. If you're looking for butt plugs for a first-time user, what I would say is go for something quite small. You can often buy them in sets of three where they're like, kind of like Russian dolls. Like, or or like drill little, heads. Start small um, and then you can, you can work up to the medium size and the larger one. Always buy something with a flared base. It's very important that essentially has a stopper to make sure the butt plug doesn't disappear right up inside you because oh, that really? is possible. Is, that what that's yeah. for? is yeah. it possible? It is. Surely it's only really possible if it's being shoved up there with something behind it. No, because of the way the colon works, it can actually sort of vacuum things up so to speak yeah it's very easy to get something stuck up your bum well with those words of wisdom i feel it's an appropriate time to uh, bring this week's foxhole to an end Uh, if you have a question for alex fox for next week's show what can listeners do alex if they head over to the website which is modernman uk, they can click on the feedback form and send me any question that they like and like a big asshole you'll gobble it up Uh, alex thank you as ever Cheers. I feel like this conversation has been quite anal. Well, I think after all that we could probably do with a song, uh, a palate cleanser. Um, But before we get to the music, just a reminder that if you're enjoying the show, and you must be if you've got this far, uh, then remember, subscribe, review, tell your friends. That's the three-step process. Uh, To subscribe and get the show delivered straight to your smartphone every week, just head to modernman.co.uk and follow the links there to Pocket Casts and tune in. If you use Apple, we are at itunes.com slash man. Leave us a review there, please. It really helps us reach out and get new listeners. If you've already left us a review, you can still keep telling your friends with the hashtag modernman on Twitter, or you can like my page on facebook.com slash ollieman. Our theme music is by Django Django from their self-titled debut album and in the executive lifts of Modern Man Towers we have one song piped in on repeat it's this by Bear's Den it is called Agape and it's released on the 10th of December on Communion Records I've been Ollie Mann the producer Matt Hill and we'll see you next Tuesday Agape Please don't dissipate Yeah I know that I 
So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Tuesday, we head to the battlefields of medieval Spain to witness the very first ambulance. On Wednesday, it's the anniversary of the day Coca-Cola's creator hit on his winning formula. He dropped the wine, but kept the cocaine. On Thursday, the thief who stuffed the crown jewels down his trousers. And on Friday, when free-spirited Danish parenting put 90s New York in a tears. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every week. Weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.